Welcome to the week 12 What We Saw edition of the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. I am the editor-in-chief at QB List, Eric Smith. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Miklius to go through the most important fantasy takeaways from the week. And we made it through a long week this week with uh, three Thanksgiving games on Thursday. Feels like I've been watching football pretty much 24-7 this week when you add in some college football, which I don't generally watch, but there were some good games this weekend. So lots of football. I think we're all Pretty excited about that. And as far as some of the outcomes to these games, I think we got a little bit more of a normal week here. Uh, more of the favorites winning, less shocking outcomes, less you know big-time upsets. So things maybe are stabilizing a little bit in the NFL, uh, but we do have a couple big injuries here. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, uh, kind of deja vu from earlier in the season with McCaffrey. So a lot to talk about, as always. I'm excited to talk about it with Mike. Mike, how's your week been? You got the that Bears game out of the way and got to sit back and relax the rest of the weekend, huh? Yeah, pretty good week. It was a uh, good holidays, and you know when when a winless Lions team takes on a, a Bears team that's last in the league in passing, you get exactly what you expect, which is a sixteen to fourteen outcome that nobody wants to watch. So it was kind of sad. Like both of those coaches just wanted that win so bad, and from from an outsider's perspective, it was kind of like it, this this doesn't really matter, guys. So it's to calm down a little bit. I, I, this shouldn't make or break your coaching career here. Yeah, I have to say the Lions had some of the worst coaching I've ever seen in my life in, in two separate occasions. Once they had three consecutive holding calls. So they had like a third and like 30 something. And later in the game, they called a timeout in a big situation. Then they came back on the field and somehow they didn't figure out their place. So they called another one, which is a penalty, which gave the Bears third and short. And moments later, I, I forget what they did after that. I think it was 12 men on the field when they finally called a play. And it's it just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm not one to say fire a coach this season he was hired, but I think the Lions should strongly consider firing their coach right now and just saying, all right, we screwed up again. Yeah, I feel bad. He, he seems like a good guy. The players like him and play hard, but at some point uh, you need to show some progress and they certainly are not. Uh, yeah, we won't talk much about the Thanksgiving games here. Uh, that Cowboys-Vegas game was riddled by penalties, and I think I was in my food coma by then. So um, I was kind of in and out of that one. And then we saw Buffalo really uh, look like the old Buffalo team. I think the Saints, maybe their ma- magic is running out a little bit. They're really banged up on both sides of the ball. So we saw Buffalo blow them out uh, for the Thanksgiving night game. But we will focus uh, for the rest of the show on the Sunday games, uh, recording this about halftime of the Sunday night football matchup between the Browns and the Ravens. As always, go to QBList.com for our whole breakdown of every game. We've got a, a writer on each game. It'll go much more in depth than we can. So please check out QBList.com for the full What We Saw article. Uh, but we focused on a few games, some good games this weekend. And um, let's start out with our winners and losers. Mike, who is your big winner from Week 12? Yeah, there was there was a few good winners this week. I went with uh, Playoff Lenny. Yeah, uh, Leonard Fournette, huge day. 17 carries for 100 yards. Seven receptions for 31 yards. So one of those just great PPR days where you're just eating up receptions left and right. And then just to top it off, you know, four touchdowns on top of all that. Um, basically, every time Tampa Bay scored today, it was it was Fournette running it in or, you know, just plunging it forward. And he he killed it. He looks he looked good. I'm not going to say he looks amazing. Um, but, yeah, he, he looked good. He's clearly the favorite here. Uh, he had 17 carries to Ronald Jones's seven. And he blew him away in pass catching work. So, yeah, Fournette is is doing great. Yeah, I mean, he even got his four touchdowns, and Ronald Jones got a touchdown. So there was plenty to go around here for Tampa Bay. Uh, Fournette's one of those. I feel like I was kind of right on him, and also wish I'd bumped him up higher in my draft boards. I 
I knew that he was going to get the default job here after that performance last year in the playoffs. So we knew Fournette was going to get all this run. I didn't know that he was this good. He had this much left in the tank, though. But, I mean, he had eight targets. That was uh, second most on the team. So they were checking it down to him. Uh, you know, he's taking that Gio Bernard role we thought would be out there for Bernard. So looking really good for Fournette. He's a, a locked-in RB1 here. So uh, my big winner, it's hard for me to not give it to a Bengals player when they blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, I, I'm still a big Bengals fan, but uh, Pittsburgh week really gets me fired up. That's the game I want every year. And now the Bengals have swept them. So I was very excited about that. And Joe Mixon looked awesome today. 28 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he was not breaking off like massive chunk plays either. Uh, this was from like the opening snap to the final snap. He was just cranking out 10 yard rushes all day. So mixing looked awesome. Um, this whole running game looks really good. I think this Bengals team is turning into more of a running team. I'll get to more of that later because I obviously watched this game, but you know, Mixon, he's going to have some down weeks occasionally just because of the pass catching role. It's not great. Uh, but he is a very talented rusher and they are feeding him the ball and it's a big part of their offense. So um, any takeaways on Mixon, Mike, uh, were you maybe lower than you wish you were coming into the season like I was? Yeah, I've always loved Mixon. It's like he's a he's a tough one because when you keep watching a player not put it together the way you think they should, eventually you kind of start to lose faith, even though you know you shouldn't. And Mixon I've always liked. I think he runs a lot like a, like a young Love Bell. And yeah, th- this is what I always expected. So this is exactly what I think will continue to happen. And if you've got him, it's, it's good times ahead because the whole offense now is really building up around him. And teams can't just say, oh, it's going to be mixing 100 times. Like it could be Chase. It could be, you know, anybody on that roster. Yep. Yep. He looked really good. So that was an exciting performance from Mixon. Um, he's going to be there all year for you. Uh, like you said, he, he's a focal point of this offense every week. So, um, all right, let's get to your loser, Mike. He might have been our winner last week. I'm not sure. So, uh, give me your loser. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, Cam Newton. He had a pretty one of those pretty abysmal passing lines where you're like, man, how does a guy like do that horribly as a quarterback? Like, he's had this job before for years, and to to be this horrible on a given day. Uh, he was five for 21, 92 yards, two interceptions. So he didn't even hit a 25 completion percentage, um, which is rough. And you're thinking probably, oh, he probably saved it on the ground. Well, he had three carries for five yards. Um, We thought it couldn't get any worse than Darnold, but ladies and gentlemen, it has. This is worse than Darnold. So if, if the Panthers are just challenging, like how bad can it get? Yeah, it can get very bad. Right. Yeah. And it was funny early on because he had a big play to DJ Moore. He rushed in a touchdown. Everyone was getting excited. Like, Hey, DJ Moore's back. This offense is back. Then it really cratered. I'm looking forward to reading this, what we saw, because I did see some, you know, people hinting at this wasn't all Cam Newton's fault. It was a bigger kind of systemic problem with the offense, but five for 21. uh, There's certainly some of that on Cam Newton's shoulders here. Yeah. If you take away that, that big pass, that's a good point. The 64 yarder and more. He was four for 20 for 28 yards. That's <laughs> like, that's, that's the kind of stat line you'd imagine from a rookie or like a backup who was just thrown into the game. Like, and he doesn't expect it, but like Cam Newton, like, oh, that's no matter what the game plan was, that's hard to defend. Yep. And they got blown out 33 to 10 by the dolphins, which I didn't see coming. I, I picked the Panthers uh, with the spread on this one. Cause their defense has been pretty good, but uh, Cam Newton plays like that. McCaffrey gets hurt. Uh, it's not too surprising to see a blowout. So uh, my law loser here for the week, uh, I, I feel a little bad. It feels like kicking him while he's down, but um, it's Jalen Rager wide receiver for the Eagles here. Uh, the stat line's bad, but we've kind of 
come to expect that sadly over his career so far two catches for 31 yards on seven targets but the big thing here was his drops at the end of a game um, the Eagles lost uh, 13 to 7 to the Giants Eagles have been on a roll and Rager dropped two potential touchdowns to end the game one was definitely a touchdown that would have put them ahead with the extra point and the second one was on fourth and 10 at like the goal goal line so easy catch um, especially the second one and it would have at least set them up at the goal line if not you know if he had fallen in for a touchdown so really brutal game here from Jalen Rager and I know Eagles fans are already down on him he has just 566 career receiving yards through a year and a half of his career. Uh, people like Justin Jefferson are lighting the league on fire, reminding Eagles fans every week that they pick Jalen Rager. So um, Rager, he still sees the field a lot. It's kind of surprising that he does. And this might have been the nail in the coffin on that one because those two drops at the end of the game were just brutal. So um, I don't know. It's hard to really even have any long-term, you know, like two, three years down the line uh, optimism for Rager at this point. Yeah, do you think Philly, like in their draft board, like next year or this coming year, is just going to put up like a big thing on the top that says no more Jalen's? <laughs> like if you're named Jalen, I apologize, but you are off the board, no chance. Because Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's been good for fantasy, but he had a bad day too, three picks. Um, Jalen Rager, we just you just talked about him, and I completely agree with all that. But like, <laughs> that's got to put a bad taste in their mouth. Like if there's a hotshot quarterback prospect named Jalen something, or like a hotshot like defensive end, they got to be like, oh. Can we really do that? Can we have a third Jalen in a row that's just awful? Yeah, Hurts, uh, 14 to 31 for 129 and three picks. So, yeah, he definitely struggled as well. Uh, it feels like he was due a down week, but uh, maybe not that bad. We couldn't have seen that coming. So, um, all right, that wraps up our winners and losers. Uh, let's get into the injuries here. A couple big ones at the top. Christian McCaffrey leads it off. He rolled his ankle and only played one snap in the second half. He was seen in a walking boot after the game. The Panthers do have a bye next week, so there's some time for him to heal up. And uh, when he was out, Amir Abdullah saw more work than Chuba Hubbard. Uh, we'd kind of talked about on the Sit Start podcast recently how it might not be worth rostering either these running backs as a handcuff for McCaffrey because we're not really even sure who the handcuff is anymore. So I, I think you're probably still running out to pick these guys up as we await more news for McCaffrey. But do you have any preference on either of these players? Or are you a little worried it's still a split backfield here? Yeah, I wouldn't say I have a strong preference. I, I would lean towards Chuba just because, you know, he's the rookie. But I, at the same time, he's probably more likely rostered. Like if, if somebody had McCaffrey or somebody grabbed him, I don't think they dropped him. I think they probably just held on and said, McCaffrey's been banged up. I'm, I'm going to keep him. Yep. Um, that being said, he's the top choice if you can get him. Amir Abdullah, it, it could be nice for a week. I'm not going to count on either one because the offense hasn't been great. Yeah. And as you said, I think there's going to be a bit of a split here. But, you know, you hope to catch lightning in a bottle because, you know, like, if you're leaning on one of those two guys, you're obviously going to be a little desperate at this point. So, yeah. And I mean, I think game script had to do with it too. Um, Amir Abdullah, 27 snaps, but ran 21 routes, four targets, just two carries. Um, McCaffrey played 20 snaps. And then Chuba Hubbard was just 11, uh, no targets and two carries. So, I, I think it probably, if the Panthers were up a lot, we would have seen a lot more Hubbard than Abdullah. But, um, that game script, you know, dependency is going to be an issue, I think, uh, trying to start these players. So we'll see how long McCaffrey's out. I just I think it's worth noting uh, Chuba Hubbard's probably not the slam dunk uh, starter he was earlier in the season. They, they've definitely mixed this up more. So uh, it's going to be a big thing for this offense. They have been feeding McCaffrey targets recently out of the backfield. So obviously it's a big deal when McCaffrey gets hurt, but they've really been using him a lot in the passing game. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll find a way to get someone other than DJ Moore involved, but this offense just looks like a mess overall. So um, let's get to the next big injury. That was Dalvin Cook. 
he was carted off what they are now calling a shoulder dislocation, which I actually um, saw one of the, uh, the Twitter doctors say was probably not worst case scenario for Dalvin Cook, but he's going to get an MRI tomorrow to see the extent of the damage. And he does have a history of shoulder injuries uh, dating back to college. I'm not even sure which one it was today, but um, he has some torn labrum stuff and he hurt his shoulder in the NFL as well. So I would not be surprised if this is a multi-week injury for Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think it's pretty simple here, though. Um, you know, if you have Alexander Madison, uh, you're going to start him without cooking the lineup. And if he's out there on waivers, go get him. Um, anything to add to this Vikings backfield? It's pretty clear cut, I'd say. Yeah, I would just echo and say uh, empty the tank for for Madison. If he's out there, yep. if he is available, just, just throw everything left you have for Fab and go get him. Because if you get two weeks out of him, you're getting two weeks of probably an RB1. Yep. And I mean, playoffs are coming up soon, so you may only have three or four more games at this point, um, depending on how your playoffs are set up. So yeah, for sure. Uh, spend up on Madison if you have to, because he's shown that he can be uh, pretty much a bell cow, not as explosive as Cook, but um, they do have a good matchup against the Lions. Uh, then they play the Steelers, who the Bengals just ran all over. Uh, then the Bears, uh, I believe there's a bye week in between there. So um, yeah, we'll see how this works out. Maybe Cook misses two weeks and then uh, they have the bye week and um, I think I have my math right there. And then maybe he's back after that. So uh, keep an eye on that for sure. But a nice little window here for Alexander Madison. Um, another injury, not a major one, but Miles Sanders uh, suffered an ankle injury in the second half. He returned and played through it, but definitely saw fewer snaps after that. Um, he was already in a committee with Boston Scott even before the injury and lost snaps in the second half. Uh, Jordan Howard was already out with an injury. It's not super long term, so he may be back soon, but um today we saw boston scott lead the way with 34 snaps miles sanders got 22 and kenny gainwell received 11 uh, i think if boston scott is out there in any league you should go get him at this point um i don't know how much more there is to add i i don't think we're running out getting gainwell just yet um what do you think about this eagles backfield in general mike yeah i think you're dead on i want i want boston scott if sanders isn't at 100 percent, i'm going to be very hesitant to start him because his, his whole thing is explosiveness and getting that mm -hmm. big play Yep. And if he's he got a tweaked ankle, it, it's going to hurt his speed. It's going to hurt his agility. And it's going to be all the less likely that he gets that one big play. And he, he as I said, he, he really needs that big play. So if you don't have that on the table, he's, he's hard to want to start. Yeah, that's a good point on the big play. Sanders, I mean, you can even look at today's uh, stat line. He had nine carries for 64 yards. Boston Scott had 15 for 64. So Sanders got it done on fewer work. Uh, but uh, Boston Scott did have the touchdown. He was getting some goal line looks. Um, the passing game work is pretty much dried up for these running backs, although Gainwell did see three for 32 on four targets. So um, he actually led all Eagles receivers with 32 receiving yards. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, if, if Sanders was out long-term or if Howard was out long-term, I think I would go get Gainwell. But I don't know. We don't have any indication it's serious yet. But I would go get Boston Scott. He's getting a lot of work, and that's worth a flex play or RB2 in most leagues. So, um Let's get to a receiver running back. I don't know what we're calling Debo Samuel now, but he left in the third quarter with a groin injury, um, remained on the sidelines throughout the rest of the game, but did not return. Uh, he's scheduled for an MRI. Um, it's it's worth noting he's basically become a running back lately. Six carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, only four targets, one catch for 12 yards. So he's been working with Elijah Mitchell, and uh, he's almost a running back at this point, which I think is going to burn him eventually and PPR leagues, uh, we're missing out on some of those receptions and he's not always going to turn six carries into 66 yards and two touchdowns. But, um, this is kind of a complicated one if he's out long, cause this affects the running game and the passing game. What are your first thoughts here with Debo Samuel getting hurt? Yeah. So Debo Samuel getting hurt. Um, it's, it's gotta be a helper for Brandon Ayuk and George yeah. Kittle. 
um, because this, this hasn't felt like a very high volume passing attack in terms of like reps and in terms of yardage. So if, if Samuel's out, you're going to have to go to Ayuk and you're going to have to go to Kittlemore. Um, as far as the running game, I I think Mitchell's already kind of peaked out what he did today. Like I don't see much more in terms of carries or yards coming his way. They're probably just going to split it between Wilson and whoever else they kind of run back there. So. Yeah, and on a related note, Trey Sermon was carted off with a right angle injury on special teams. Uh, he wasn't really playing much anyway, but um, this this seems to be the more serious of the injury between him and Debo. So that's more depth that's out. Uh, Jamichael Hasty has been out recently. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. took a backseat to Debo and uh, Elijah Mitchell, who had 27 carries for 133 yards and touchdowns. So I guess if Debo's out, maybe we can go back and pick up Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, start him as a or, you know a desperation flex along with uh, Elijah Mitchell, but uh, there's not a ton here. I don't think I would agree with Ayuk, and it's a good point on Kittle too. I kind of forgot about Kittle just because uh, he gets lost in the shuffle sometimes, but it certainly boosts him. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we were talking before the show about Trey Sermon. Uh, I think we can we can give up on our dreams of Trey Sermon uh, that we had preseason because we were both pretty hyped on him. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad day, but I'm going to I bought the tombstone today, <laughs> putting it in the backyard. Trey Sermon, super high hopes. Uh 11 28 21. It's it's over. Uh yeah. It was it was fun while it lasted, but it really wasn't fun at all. <laughs> no, it was not, and there's been about every injury that could have happened that could have given him a shot and it just hasn't worked out. So, I don't even know what you do in a dynasty league. I'm the type that I'm not going to trade him for, you know, peanuts on what I, what I got him for. So I, I tend to just sit on players like this. Do you have any creative ideas if you spend a draft pick on Sermon in a dynasty league? Yeah, I'd actually, uh, I'd throw out the buy. I wouldn't just offer a pick for him. I would offer like try to set up a trade with somebody if you want him. And if you can get him as a cheap throw in, I think that's a great option because he's somebody they traded up to draft and he's somebody that, you know, we had a lot of hype for you had scouts, Matt Waldman really, really hyping him up as his top running back in the class. So I don't think it's crazy. I think he could find it. And if you can buy him for like a third, which is probably around the price I want to pay a late second, early third. then Hey, why not? Cause that's, that's a, you know, dart throw player anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. And let's make sure he's not out for like a full season. Let's see how bad this injury is. Uh, I don't think I'd pay a second, but um, I mean, I, I traded a third for, I got JD McKissick in the league just for depth. So third round picks and rookie drafts aren't worth a whole lot. So I agree with you on a third that may be worth a gamble there, but otherwise, I mean, this backfield is really just all set up for Elijah Mitchell now. And uh, I think he's going to be in good shape rolling forward. Um, otherwise those were the main injuries. Randall Cobb suffered a groin injury. He was having a big first half four for 94 and a touchdown. And then Dan Arnold, if you started him last week and this week, I'm sorry, he, he ghosted us last week and then he injured his knee in the second quarter after one catch this week. Uh, I'd say just move on. Don't bother waiting around for the news on this injury. Go find someone else to stream. So um, that wraps us up on most of the injuries though, through, uh, through Sunday night football. Um, hopefully nothing new comes out, but um Check us out. I'll actually be doing a guest spot on the Waiver Wire podcast uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning. Uh, so I'll be filling in for Callan, and we'll catch you up on any extra injury news and what you should be doing for your waiver wires. So um, let's get to a couple uh, just kind of backfield splits, um, snap count situations here I like to keep track of. Uh, there are a few notable ones this week that I wanted to highlight on. Uh, let's start out with the Titans backfield. Um, Jeremy McNichols still hasn't practiced from a concussion. Um, he's missed the last two weeks, including this week. And Adrian Peterson was released, which meant this was all uh, Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. 
Uh, Hilliard saw 32 snaps. Foreman saw 31. Hilliard went 12 for 131 and a touchdown on the ground. Foreman 19 for 109. Uh, both had a bad fumble that hurt the team, but that kind of evens out. Um, not a lot of passing game work. So I was pretty surprised to see this amount of rushing game work from the Titans against the Patriots defense, which, I mean, I think they're better against the pass, but still I did not expect them to get gashed like this on the ground. So I know there are a couple big plays. Um, Mike, you like to talk about taking out those big plays and, you know, is there really anything left? But what do you think about this Titans backfield? Should we have these guys rostered? Did you have hope or was this just kind of like a blip here? Yeah, when you said they both had a fumble, I felt the need to check the box score because I'm always kind of curious about those weird stats. And they had they had five separate players fumble the football, which is kind of crazy to have five different guys on your team fumble the ball in one game. Like that's that's pretty horrible. Um, that being said, so yeah, Dontrell Hilliard had a 68 yard run, ended with 131. Deonta Foreman had a 30 yard run, ended with 109. Um, I'd have to guess the Patriots were kind of giving them the run today. Um, Because the Patriots usually aren't that bad at something they're trying to stop. So in this case, they were kind of running wild, but the passing game was just non-existent. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually hadn't looked at their stats yet. 11 for 21 for 93 yards for Tannehill. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would have to say I'm probably more interested in Foreman. Maybe that's just my old uh, my old thinking of years ago when he was the rookie and that everybody was kind of like, oh, he's the underground rookie you got to get into. And then he like tore everything in his body like every year for like four years. And we all forgot about him. Um, but yeah, th- like those are hard numbers to ignore. So at the moment, I'm, it's got to be Foreman because he got more work. He hit 100 yards. As you said, they both fumbled. So he doesn't lose any ground to Hilliard for the mistake. So I, I, th- I think it's Foreman for me right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Hilliard saw more passing game. Uh, He ran more routes, um, but they both mixed in kind of equally. Uh, I think they're both used in the red zone. You are right. That Hilliard run, I'm pretty sure it was Hilliard's. That was like a draw towards the end of the half that he just sprung for a touchdown, which I'm sure the Patriots did not see coming. It didn't really fit the kind of game script there. So, yeah, I, I tend to think this is a little fluky. I do think they both should be rostered if they aren't already. I think Foreman's rostered in a lot of leagues, but people were a little skeptical on Hilliard. So, uh, I think if McNichols comes back, that could hurt Hilliard the most because uh, that's kind of a similar role, Hilliard and McNichols. So keep an eye on that. But as long as they're just using two running backs in this backfield, it's going to be interesting. So add them if you need to. Um, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, uh, man, they need some of their talent back because it's it's pretty brutal out there with the pass catchers they have. So um, let's skip to the Miami backfield. Now, this was a pretty quick note here, but I just wanted to point out that uh, Philip Lindsay. Um, he was picked up in on waivers by the Dolphins, and they mixed him in right away. Um, it was him, Patrick Laird, Salvin Ahmed, and, of course, Miles Gaskin. Um, there are tons of carries to go around because this was a blowout. Uh, Gaskin scored two touchdowns, so any of his managers are happy with that. But uh, this could hurt his ceiling going forward. We were kind of enjoying Gaskin because Malcolm Brown was hurt and on IR, and now we've got Philip Lindsay already playing. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a more mouths to feed than it was a couple weeks ago, so – I don't know if there's really – are you – I don't think we're adding Philip Lindsay. Is this just more kind of a, a downgrade on Gaskin going forward? Yeah, I've always thought of Gaskin as just a guy. Um, I think I've been pretty clear on that over our weeks. Yeah. Um, I like Lindsay. I mean, obviously, is he's not the same upside he once was. Um, but I like him. I, I wouldn't be adding him yet because I just don't really trust this team in this offense. I mean, they're 5-7, and seven and they're, they're not in that strong of a division where they should be that bad. Um, but yeah, it does take some of the ceiling away from Gaskin because I don't think he's usually going to pull those two touchdowns. 
So you might be looking at 15 carries for like 50 yards at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe I'll have to go back and look at it, but I think a lot of Lindsay's 12 carries were uh, in garbage time or maybe not garbage time, but when they were really just pounding the ball. So I would not expect the dolphins to have a ton of 33 to 10 victories. So um, I don't know. I, I, with you, I've always liked Lindsay. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't think it's going to happen, but Hey, first weekend him getting the looks, um, it was encouraging. So uh, maybe there's still hope 12 for 42 on the ground. That's, that's what gets a, that's excited about Philip Lindsay these days is 12 for 42. So um, let's move on to uh, just the final one here. I'm um, really just the entire jets team. Uh, we kind of are trying to figure out this receiving core and running back group on a weekly basis. So I did want to start at receiver just to give Elijah Moore uh, managers a little bit of hope after a down week. Um, He only had four catches for 53 yards. I think a lot of that was Zach Wilson struggling. Uh, But uh, snap-wise, I mean, Keelan Cole led the way with 64. He only had two targets. Then Elijah Moore, uh, 59 and eight targets. And then Jamison Crowder, 33 snaps and just one target. So even though it was a down day for Moore, Overall, this usage and snaps, I mean, they've increased the snaps each week, and it's really encouraging. So I do think you should still be confident playing more most weeks. Um, his quarterback play obviously needs to get better. But uh, just as far as how much they're using him is very encouraging, and I, I do think he's talented. So uh, do you see this receiving core any differently here for the Jets? No, I think that covers it pretty well. As you said, I think the QB issue is a big one. Um, we have some some great uh personnel management by the Jets with saying Zach Wilson's knee is not a hundred percent, but Hey, let's just put him out there anyways, because, you know, we got to protect this three and three and whatever, three and eight, three and nine. I don't even know. Um, three season, and eight like, All right. This guy's supposed to be your future. And if he's not a hundred percent, it's his knee. Like he should not be anywhere near the starting lineup. I don't care what he says. You put him somewhere safe. You wrap him in bubble wrap and you say, we'll, we'll try again next year. Yeah, I think they said it's an injury that uh, isn't going to get worse uh, from playing on it, which I'm not exactly sure how that works. So, um, Wilson, yeah, 14 to 24, 145, one interception, four sacks against the Texans. So, hey, they got the win, 114. But, um, yeah, he's just, you know, you could see it again. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of this game, but uh, most of Wilson's plays are going to be more out of structure, and he's going to make plays downfield when he's running around. He's also going to throw interceptions, get sacks. But, it kind of makes this receiving core more unpredictable, but I do think more um, Elijah Moore is talented enough to, you know, make something happen here with Zach Wilson. So keep an eye on that. I, I don't think you can start Jameson Crowder anymore. Um, he's really fallen by the wayside here. If Keelan Cole's playing ahead of him, that's not a good sign. So uh, let's move over to the backfield. I guess it's just never going to happen for T- uh, Ty Johnson here. I, I still think he's talented. He had six carries for 42 yards like that. Sounds like he was doing a good job to me, but snaps-wise, uh, with Michael Carter on IR, uh, Tevin Coleman saw 30 snaps, Ty Johnson 23, and whoever Austin Walter is saw 16 snaps. I, I thought there was a receiver named Austin Walter, but that, this isn't him. So um, I, I guess you know Ty Johnson still did what he could with his touches, but Tevin Coleman had 16 carries for 67 yards, and even Walter had nine for 38. So um, would you – I mean, I think you're probably on my side here with uh, – holding out hope for Ty Johnson and it's probably not going to happen. Um, is Tevin Coleman worth an ad just while they're playing without Michael Carter? Yeah, I think so. He, he's got enough pop where like, all right, he can make a play or two. I'm not going to have a ton of faith in anybody here. And it's like, all right, if I have other options, like literally any other options, I'm going to go with those. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to pick a, to pick a Jets running back here, Coleman or Johnson and say, all right, we'll just give it a chance and hope for the best. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I do. They do know how to run the ball. Um, it actually would help if it was someone other than Wilson, a quarterback. As far as the checkdowns, we're not seeing quite as much receiving work from the running backs without you know Mike White in there or Joe Flacco. But I, I do think there's some value here. I still think they should be giving the ball to Ty Johnson a little more, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. So maybe I can uh, cut him after this year. I'm all the dynasty teams I haven't rostered in. So um, <laughs> all right, that wraps up most of the noteworthy stuff. So let's get to the games we watched. Um, as always, uh, feel free to join us, pitcherlist.com slash plus. Um, you can support the site and you can join us in our Discord and just talk football all day long. Um, Mike and I were pretty much, you know, live commenting our, uh, the games we were assigned to here. So you can hear this stuff hours before everyone on the podcast. So please join us if you're interested. Um, uh, but let's start out with Mike's first game. This was the Buccaneers, uh, against the Colts Buccaneers win 38 to 31 in Indianapolis, really good game here. So, um, what'd you see from a fantasy football perspective? Yeah. So the, uh, the Colts started out pretty hot. They hit some big plays. Um, they, they were passing a lot early. And I think any Jonathan Taylor uh, manager is going to be pretty upset to hear that because, you know, you're thinking, let's just run, run, run. Who cares? Um, and then second half, the Colts just kind of fell apart. The, all, all the big plays kind of just turned into big mistakes. Their second half drives were a fumble, interception, punt, touchdown, interception. And that was yeah. it. That was the game. Um, whereas, meanwhile, in the first half, they scored three touchdowns and a, and a field goal to go with it. Um, the Bucks started slowly. Brady threw a pick early in the game and they were like, Oh, that's the the big problem for Brady. He's throwing too many picks. But when you're like 45 and you're throwing 30 touchdowns and leaving the league, I don't think it's too big of a problem. Um, And as we said earlier, Fournette kind of just grabbed everything. He had four uh, of the five touchdowns. The last one went to Ronald Jones. So not a perfect day, but pretty close. Um, uh, Gronk grabbed all the passing work. He had a ton of catches, just all the yardage. Um, and because of that, there was just nothing much for Evans and Godwin. It felt like the Colts were trying to take away the big plays and they were willing to give up runs and little passes. And it worked for the most part. The Colts just took too long to kind of adapt their strategy. They eventually let Taylor run, but it just took too long. And by the time he was running, he just didn't have enough time to, to really put up the stats we would hope for him. Um, still scored a touchdown. So good day for him, but, um, yeah, it was tough. And then. There were a number of looks to Pittman. So for those who have Pittman, he did get 10 targets. So I know the four for 53 is going to be a bit disappointing, but the good news is there were a ton of targets and the Colts were willing to pass when they thought they had it. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Colts, I think we're, we know what we're getting into here with the Colts. It's going to be Pittman. It's going to be Taylor. Not a whole lot else going on. Um, I think these tight ends are always interesting. They know how to get the ball to the tight ends and uh, you know, we had so we have some pop up weeks for here or there. Jack Doyle had a nice week this week, uh, six catches on eighty one yards and a touchdown on seven targets. But I mean, there's nothing to see here with Jack Doyle, right? It could be Mo Alley Cox next week or whoever. I mean, it, I could give him a chance. He had five targets last week, five targets the week before. That's enough where I'd at least say, all right, like maybe you know that there's something there. Um, but I, I wouldn't have a ton of faith. That's just if you need a streamer and you you like the Colts matchup next week. Yeah, it was a nice touchdown. I think that was the Doyle touchdown. It was a really well-schemed play. They had running back rolling out to that side of the red zone, the tight end kind of going up the sideline. Um, I don't know, Wentz kind of rolled out. It was just a really nice play. So, um, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, pretty straightforward Colts offense. I did want to shout out uh, Dustin Ludke on our staff. He wrote up a November's Dynasty Futures report. 
and uh, called out Ashton Doolin before this game as a deep, deep sleeper wide receiver. And uh, he had a long touchdown, what, 62 yarder for a touchdown? Yeah, one catch, touchdown, 62 yards. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Dustin kind of pointed him out as just like, you know, other than Pittman, uh, the Colts have a lot of wide receivers here. They're going to be free agents. So maybe down the line, uh, he's worth a pickup in your dynasty league. So I saw him make a play. I just had to shout it out. Cause, uh, it's always, I love it when someone calls out like the, the fifth receiver on a roster for dynasty purposes. So that always gets my attention. <laughs> so yeah, otherwise, um, T Y Hilton gets a touchdown, but you know, I, I think he's taking a step back in his career. It's pretty clear. So, um, you got anything else on the Colts or you just want to go over to the Bucks here? No, I think that covers it. As we said, uh, it's, it's Taylor, it's Pittman. Um, might be worth if you can get something for Heinz trying to move him. Um, I think the more Taylor breaks out, the less Heinz is going to matter. And maybe you need to wait for the next big Heinz game to happen. But yeah, he, he's still talented and yeah, he's just not going to see much opportunity anymore with Taylor becoming bigger and bigger. And it, it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle with Taylor. Like it's yeah. pretty inexcusable to give Heinz like five carries anymore because Taylor's just clearly better back. Yeah, and it was always hard to predict when Hines was going to have a big week anyway. So I, I know you uh, touched on most of the Buccaneers' offense, but just, I mean, as far as Evans and Godwin, uh, it, it's odd. It seemed like these receivers as a whole were doing better when Antonio Brown was out there, even though there were three receivers they had to split it between. I, I don't know. It feels like maybe there's just too much focus on Godwin and Evans now. I mean, four for 24 and three for 16 in a game they scored 38. It's awfully disappointing. So, I mean, should we readjust expectations or is this like next week it's going to be a Godwin-Evans game? Yeah, I wouldn't put too much into this one specifically. Um, as, as I said, it felt like the Colts were trying to take away the passing game and Brady finished with 220 as a result, 226 to be exact. Um, a lot of that came to Gronk kind of getting free and running a bit. Like Gronk had a 32-yarder. He had a, a few big plays that made the day. Um it, it just looked like they were kind of just letting them check it down over and over and over again. And it was like, all right, you can have these little plays. We'll keep giving that to you. And my guess is just, they were having Godwin and Evans go a little deeper. And so everything kind of opened up for, you know, as we said, Fournette for Gronk, um, that kind of thing. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get to my first game. Um, this was the Bengals at home beating the Steelers 41 to 10, which I thoroughly enjoyed. As I mentioned up top, sorry, Steelers fans out there, but uh, y'all won for enough years in a row. We've got three straight wins now. Pretty excited about that. So um, I kind of hinted going into this bye week that I thought the Bengals were going to come out and run the ball a lot. And that is what they did. Uh, they had uh, 24 passing attempts, I guess 26 if you include sacks. Um, and they had 38 rushes as a team. Joe Mixon got 28 of them. Uh, this game was 31 to three at the half. Uh, Bengals just had control throughout. So, I mean, they really dominated the Steelers. Uh, this first half from the Bengals was probably the best offensive half I've seen them play. And I don't even know how long. I mean, it was just everything they did worked. Uh, a lot of it was running, but they also got T Higgins involved quite a bit. Uh, he led the team with eight targets by quite a bit. Uh, six catches for 114 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown was just a one-on-one where they just lobbed it up to him and he went up and got it. Uh, but it was really encouraging to see Higgins have this game because he's fallen off lately and uh, he he looked he looked the part today. So I don't know if um I don't know I don't know if he's getting healthier. He did miss some time earlier in the season or if they're just focusing on him more or what. But he was the leading receiver in this offense and really had a great game. Uh, Jamar Chase only three for 39, but it was on three targets. He he caught everything thrown his way. Um, they threw him some short stuff like screens to get him the ball. Uh, so this was more just the offense just dominating on the ground, and Higgins was open, and they just didn't really need him. 
Uh, same for Tyler Boyd, two catches, 13 yards, but on two targets, he did everything he could with those. So uh, I would, you know, if you're a Chase or Boyd manager, I wouldn't be uh, necessarily down about this performance. It's just the way it goes when you're rushing all over a team. So um, I, I think this is going to be a, a run-heavy team going forward. I the the passing the pass blocking is getting better. I still feel a little uneasy about it at times, um, but the run blocking is getting really good for Cincinnati. And this offense really hums when they get mixing going. So I would expect this to be their game plan. There's obviously going to be games where uh, they need to pass more. Um, Burrow was 20 of 24 for 190 yards. Um, he rushed a touchdown, so that helped for fantasy purposes. So I, they're going to need to throw more in the future, but if they can you know, run this game script, they're going to do it. So uh, really encouraged. Um, they kind of let their foot off the gas in the second half and just kind of killed the clock. So uh, that also hurts some production here. But uh, Mike, do you have any questions on the, the Bengals offense? I talk about it every week, but any changes? <laughs> No, I, I got to say, uh, it was fun to see this result. I didn't get to see the game, unfortunately. Um, when I saw the result, I had I had a, a former – there's a person in my life from the past who was a big Steelers fan who I'm not a <laughs> fan of. So whenever I see the Steelers lose, it feels pretty good. Um, my question here would be – obviously, we said it. We, we talked about Mix, and I like him a lot. Um, feels like the hope for this team has to be that Higgins and Chase kind of develop into a dynamic duo where Chase is clearly the more talented one, but Higgins is able to hang close enough to like keep defenses guessing. It, I, I have to say I'm worried about Boyd and his value may have already cratered out. Um, 100 yard game this year, only 175 plus yard game this year. Um, and that was back in week four. It, it just feels like there's not going to be a lot of room for him unless Burrow develops into a real big time passer. Do you see that ever happening, or do you think this team wants to be more of like a run, control the clock, and pass just enough kind of team? I think that's how they're going to be this year. I mean, we're still trying to get you know Burrow through a healthy season here. Obviously, being seven and four uh, now, you know, playoffs are in shot. But um, no, I would expect maybe next year things open up again and it looks a little more like it did last year. But um, even last year when they were throwing so much, it was a little inefficient at times. So I, I think they're going to want to run the ball, maybe not thirty-eight times a game, but. I do think this is kind of their blueprint going forward. I would expect it to be Higgins and Chase with Boyd just kind of being a complimentary piece for the most part. So, I mean, we'll see. And, you know, if Burrow takes a huge step and next year he's, you know, looks like a, a young Drew Brees out there or something, then he could certainly support three receivers. But it's just a lot to ask right now. And they do throw the ball to the tight ends occasionally. And there's just enough other usage to kind of hurt Boyd every week. So I still think he's a good player, same player he's always been, but just not enough volume right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Dynasty could be worth a buy low, but I, I'm not holding out much hope for uh, for redraft. I would say. Um, so on the Pittsburgh side, um, I would just say uh, it's <laughs> it's going to be a long season running out the clock here on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Assuming this is his last season in the league, um, he looks like he should be benched right now. But you just can't bench Ben Roethlisberger if you're the Steelers. I think. Uh, but I, I honestly, it's at the point where Mason Rudolph may be better. I'm not sure. Um, Roethlisberger, like, he, you know, he was converting to third and longs. Um, when he gets the ball to Deontay Johnson, it was looking good. He had a deep shot to Claypool for 41 yards. Like, he's not completely washed up. Like, he knows how to run an offense. But if he has to make, like, any kind of moves in the pocket or buy time or just try to create something, it's bad. I mean, he just – he takes sacks. He throws picks. Um he threw a pick six to end the half to to Mike Hilton to pretty much end the game. Made it thirty one to three. Uh, he had a I think he probably could have thrown a couple more interceptions too. There there were some bad passes. Took three sacks. 
Uh, it was just a pretty miserable performance from Roethlisberger. He, he throws for 263 here on 41 attempts, but a lot of it was garbage time. So um, he also fumbled twice and lost one. So just a really bad game from Roethlisberger. And really a lot of these players' games were made in garbage time. Uh, Deontay Johnson ends with 14 targets, nine receptions, 95 yards. Uh, it felt like about six of those came on the last two drives. I mean, the Bengals had all their backups in. The Steelers still had Roethlisberger and Deontay and everyone out there. So um, they really picked up a bunch there. Same with Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. Uh, he had almost nothing until the end, and he ended up with four for 40 and a touchdown. And, hey, that works. But um, this whole offense was really shut down. Um, you know, they basically they tried to run the ball, I think, because they don't have you know much of a deep game and hot, not, they just don't have a good enough offensive line to break any big plays. I mean, Najee Harris, a long of five yards rushing like there's just no explosive plays. So then it just turns into Ben checking it down and it gets pretty ugly. So I think Claypool's really good. I think Johnson's really good. I think Friermuth's really good. But uh, the, the quarterback and, and offensive line to some extent is just holding this whole offense back. So um, what questions? I don't know if you've seen the Steelers lately, but what questions do you have? <laughs> Pretty much. The, here, I guess here's the big one. How terrible of a quarterback does Dwayne Haskins have to be <laughs> to have not gotten a look or a mention in the midst of all this? Because we all know Big Ben is just completely toast. He's yeah. just done. And we like that's clear. Everybody knows it. Everybody except for him and I guess whoever the coach, like Tomlin, because he feels loyalty, which I get. But like – Man, Haskins just must be horrible because no one's even mentioned that kid's name. It's just, nope, no matter how desperate we are, we wouldn't go to that. Um, yeah, I mean, Rudolph's been around long enough, too, where he knows the offense, you know? And so you can't even make the mistake or make the excuse of, you know, he, he needs to get more reps or whatever. He's been around forever. So it, it's weird the announcers never say anything bad about Roethlisberger, but it feels like everyone watching is just, like, laughing at him. And it, it's it's kind of sad if I hadn't watched the Steelers beat the Bengals for so many years in a row. So I'm kind of enjoying it. But uh, now I don't know. I, it's time, but they're in the hunt, and I don't think they have better options. So they're going to have to keep rolling them out there. Yeah, I guess my other thought here is uh, Deontay Johnson, if for those unaware, he's got 109 targets on the season now, assuming I didn't count incorrectly, mm-hmm. um, which is almost 10 a game. It's just a, a sliver under 10 a game. Um, I think he's a great buy if you can if you can get him in Dynasty because yeah. um, I don't think anyone looks at this offense and is impressed or really loves it. And I, I, I see a lot of talent in him. I think Johnson's the best receiver here. So just as a dynasty mentioned, if you can get him, if you can make an offer, if somebody doesn't love him, who's got him, I would try to pick him up because I think he'll always be getting the volume and the quarterback can't get much worse than it is now. So exactly. And and Johnson always grades out really well as a route runner. Uh, I think uh, he's like, he catches a lot of short stuff now, but that may just be because of the quarterback. I, he could be kind of like a Stefan Diggs type, you know, I mean, just a really, really good route runner. And uh, I agree. I would buy low on him and, Claypool, too. I mean, eight targets, three catches, 82 yards uh, with a quarterback that has a hard time getting the ball downfield. Like, he went up and got a couple balls. So, I think he's talented. He got a little uh, emotional, ripped someone's head off, uh, helmet off towards the end. So, he's still got some growing to do here. But I think uh, dynasty-wise, he's really high potential as well. This may be morbid, but I would want to see the footage if, if a player ripped another player's head off during a game. Like, that would, that would be must-watch TV for me. I'd yeah, probably throw it, up, but... He ripped the helmet off right off the Bengals sidelines. It was a a lot of restraint for Bengals team. The uh, players started to chase him back on the field and the bench came back and uh, held him from trying to fight Claypool, which Bengals teams of the past, it would have just been a full out brawl with the Steelers. So uh, (laughs) we've come a long way here. So 
Um, otherwise, nah, I mean, this was probably the worst. There had to have been the worst game of the, of the season for Najee Harris. Uh, eight for 23 and only three for 14 through the air. Uh, you know, I haven't seen a ton of real explosive plays from Harris. So it is definitely all built on volume, but I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So as long as they don't get blown out 41 to 10 every week, uh, he'll have better weeks. I, I don't think I'd worry. I, have you seen, I mean, Harris, other than just being an elite volume back, I, I haven't seen anything like super explosive from him. It's mainly just been, he's a pretty good pass catcher and he can hold up to the workload. Yeah. I, I've seen some good plays from him, but I think most of what I've seen is like strength and power. Yeah. Not anything of like explosiveness. So as you said, he's going to need his 20 carries but I think he'll get it because I don't think the Steelers really like anybody else. I mean, today they also ran Kalen Bellage, Benny Snell, and Anthony McFarland. And yeah. this may be breaking news, but those guys are all terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I see Najee eating. He just needs a better offense. If you could put him on, like, if you put him on Tampa Bay, he might be the best running back in the league right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, yeah, other than that, I mean, Steelers, um, I think T.J. Watt was banged up in this one, so that hurt the defense. Uh, but I, I don't think this is quite the defense that we've seen in years past for Pittsburgh. Still good, but uh, obviously have taken a, a little step back with some injuries. So uh, but that's about all I got from this one. Steelers are 5-5, five and five, Bengals are 7-4. Um, I'm happy for this week. So um, let's get on to the last game. Uh, both Mike and I watched uh, what turned out to be a pretty good game. Uh, Packers won at home 36-28 to over the Rams. Um, Mike, why don't you start out with uh, your notes on this one, what you saw? Yeah, I, honestly, this one didn't feel as close as it finished. It did finish with the Rams trying to get an onside kick for a chance to, you know, maybe tie the game with a two-point conversion. Um, but it felt like the Packers were the better team, and the Rams were kind of just hanging by a thread. They kept getting big plays. They had a Van Jefferson 79-yard touchdown. Yep. Um, he actually almost had another. He had one foot in, almost made an amazing catch. He did catch the ball. He just couldn't get the second foot in. They had an OBJ uh, 54 yarder later in the game. Um, I think OBJ's dad tweeted something about not throwing him the ball enough. So they made sure to throw to him right away after that, just to, you know, get rid of any headaches. Um, Daryl Henderson ran well. Um, again, not enough, not enough work and playing a tough team in the Packers. So not a ton of space, but he looked good. And I, we know he's the starter here. So that's, that's all we needed to know. Um, as far as the receivers, it's hard to trust anyone here behind Cup. Um, felt like the Packers kind of wanted to take Cup away early. And because of it, they kind of gave up some big plays. The, the Van Jefferson one. Um, it's it's just hard to say anybody else on this team has really earned any trust. Obviously, it looks pretty good today because of all those big plays. But it, it's for me, it's Cup, it's Henderson, and that's about it here. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the snaps, uh, Cooper Cup played 61, Beckham 60, Van Jefferson 60. Uh, targets were 10, 9, and 9. So they were all out there almost every snap of the game. Uh, yeah, they had 61 offensive snaps. So virtually every snap of the game. And they were all, you know, splitting up the work pretty well. Um, yeah, I noticed Cup going deep a few times where uh, you'd normally think he'd be going over the middle, which was a little odd. Uh, it, it took him a little time to get back to him. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jefferson and Beckham certainly made their days off those long touchdowns. I think they both have value still. They're just more of like a wide receiver three type maybe, but I can see Beckham coming on here. I mean, 10 targets, five for 81 and a touchdown, like at least Stafford, um, we can talk more about Stafford here in a minute, but at least Stafford can get him the ball deep as opposed to Mayfield. So I don't know. I'm, I'm encouraged by Beckham. 
Uh, he looked the part. I mean, he looked like he's at least a deep threat. If not, if not the old Odell Beckham, he's at least a good deep threat. And I, I think the Rams could use him. So, um, let's Billy, yeah, let's talk about this Rams offense, like big picture here. So Stafford didn't look real great. I mean, his line is 21 for 38, 302, three touchdowns and a pick two sacks. Doesn't, I mean, it looks like he had a good game here and he, there are definitely some good moments, but, uh, he had some bad mistakes. Um, just, kind of not sensing pressure a few times when you think a veteran quarterback would missing some throws. Um, so I just, I think it'd be good to talk about like, what do you think about this Rams offense the rest of the season um, is like, are they going to get back to that peak we saw early on? Or do you think this is a new team with kind of Robert Woods hurt and trying to find their identity and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think they're going to return to that peak. I think this offense, I think the most two important players for this offense were Woods and cup. Yeah. Um, Maybe even more so than the quarterback. I mean, that might be an exaggeration because, you know, team loses its quarterback, everything collapses. But it felt it feels like for a while, like for years now, it's been Cup and Woods, and they kind of are the engine that gets everything moving. And then, you know, it's nice to have a good running back, but since Gurley, they haven't had somebody that important. Um, With Woods out, I think it's going to be how well OBJ and Van Jefferson are playing on a particular day. And as you said, this is definitely a, a good look for OBJ today. Um, if this becomes the norm, then this team can probably bounce back and things can get a bit better. I'm also going to say, I don't think I ever fully trusted Stafford. Um, Mm -hmm. like, I think he's good, but he's never like been in the same category as any of the elite players at quarterback. He's kind of a good or really good guy. Like in that Phillip rivers range Mm -hmm. where they, they're going to last a while. They're going to put up big numbers, but you're not going to say like, oh yeah, he had this great career moment that really defines him. Um, yeah, so I, I think the offense is a downgrade. I, it's going to be hard to return to where it was with Woods, but it's probably going to be mostly dependent on what OBJ can do. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's getting back to the early season. Woods was so important on so many things like blocking and you know even running the ball. He just did so many little things. Knows the offense so well. I, I think it's a, uh, there's a lot of hidden reasons why the offense will be worse without him. Uh, it, I felt like the offense just a lot of times you see McVay's offenses and like everything kind of looks the same and there's lots of play action or lots of misdirection and you don't know what's coming. And, uh, it didn't feel like that today. It just kind of felt like they were just out there running plays and, you know, if cup got open or if Beckham got open, then they got the ball. And otherwise I didn't see a ton of people just streaking wide open. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think this offense needs to work out a few things. Um, even the running game, like Henderson looked good, but 16 for 55, like a long of seven. That was their longest rush of the day. So I think they need to kind of rethink this offense and get it more uh, like, you know, the, the McVay offenses of old. Uh, they've gotten away from that. So I don't know. Maybe it just comes down to Woods. But um, I, I do think Beckham's going to get a lot of work. I think Jefferson's going to get a lot of work because that's just what they're going to have to do. Um, Tyler Higby has done nothing recently. Um, he had a bunch of bad drops in the last game. And then today, just one catch on five targets. So uh, I would expect it's, it's Henderson and it's the receivers and, uh, and there's really not much else to worry about. So I do think there's going to be good fantasy days from them, but I'm not sure if overall this offense is going to look like it did. So do you think like next year, like we get, you know, Woods back? I mean, I know it's looking a long ways ahead, but do you think this is going to be like a dynasty juggernaut or um, is it maybe a sell high moment for some of these players? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I would be buying in for next year. Um, okay. I think people are going to be pretty hot on this team still, because if you have Cup and Woods and OBJ, and Daryl Henderson, and man, I'm blanking on the running back who got hurt. Uh, Uh, Cam Akers. Cam Akers, there you go. Cam Akers coming back. I think people are going to think like, oh man, this team's loaded. 
You got Sean McVay, who I think people still love, even though I think he's starting to fade a little bit in terms of the the complete genius. Yeah. Um, I, I think people will be high on this team. Yeah, that's a good point. Even if you're a little down on them, it's probably all going to rebound <laughs> preseason hype and you could sell high then. So yeah, good point there. Um, all right. For, as far as the Packers, I, I don't know that there's that much to talk about other than running backs. Did you see anything in this passing game that uh, stood out for you? Not really. Cub was, uh, Cub. Cobb, Randall Cobb was putting together a nice half. Yeah. And then he just, of course, gets hurt because that's what happens with him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's anything worth chasing, even if they say Cobb is looking mostly fine. I still think it's kind of like, all right, it's going to be week to week. Who blows up on this team behind Adams? Um, I, I'm still in the point, w- which I feel like we've been in for a while, right? I just don't trust the number two. One week it's going to be Scantling, one week it's going to be Lazard, and then one week it's going to be um, it's going to be Cobb. So I'm not chasing that. Passing game, I think, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- there's a lot of talk. Uh, Rogers is still talking about his injured toe after the game. Um, he's, I think he's going to get x-rays. I, he looks fine. Um, they, they, they have a bye week next week as well. So I would not be worried about this passing game. I mean, Rogers, sometimes it's hard to tell from his stats because the stats are always so good. Uh, 24 or 28 of 45 for 307, two touchdowns. But I thought today he looked awesome. I mean, he had some throws that were just perfectly placed in there to, it really shows the difference between him and Stafford. Like some of these passes that Rodgers is putting out there are just like, you couldn't place him in there any better. Um, Stafford can do that for sure, but Rodgers is just another level. So there's a lot of talk about his toe injury, but with all the drama with Rodgers every week, I, I think this is just uh, some more news to get him through the bye week when he's bored. So we'll have the x-rays. He'll be fine. He'll be back out there for the Bears, I think. So um, yeah, he, he's, he's a heck of a quarterback though, no matter what you think about him personality-wise. So uh, what do you think? So about this running game, um, Aaron Jones comes back for the first time. I actually only missed one week off injury. Um, only 10 carries for 23 yards. A.J. Dillon gets 20 for 69. Uh, passing game work, um, you know, nothing real exciting there. Uh, Dillon actually did see five catches for 21 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Jones only one target. Um, if you look at the snaps here, it was even. Um, Aaron Jones had 43. A.J. Dillon had 39. So it's not like Jones wasn't out there, but uh, is this like the new normal for this backfield? Like it's kind of split, maybe leaning towards Dylan, or they just easing Aaron Jones back in? Yeah, th- this is this is tough if you're an Aaron Jones uh, owner because I think the the possibilities here are that they were easing Jones back in. You know, you take it easy on him the first week back, give Dylan more of the work, or the thought would be that they're kind of thinking ahead to protecting Jones for the playoffs. Because we, we know this team is going to be one of the favorites in the NFC, and they have a good chance at home field, and that means at some point it's probably going to be a Green Bay-Tampa Bay game to see who goes to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I, I think probably their fear is that, you know, that they get to that game and they don't have Adams or they don't have Jones or they don't have Rodgers. Like, one of the big guns is gone, and they know they're not going to win that game. Um, I, I think I think they're an intelligently run organization, and I think they're going to limit Jones for the rest of the season. Not Not that they're going to hold him out, but I think he's going to be on some degree of a snap count day to day. And they're going to say, all right, don't let him hit 20 touches or don't let him hit 15 touches because we want him available. You know, the, the, the playoffs, we want him available when we're taking on Tom Brady because we need him to beat them. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This running game hasn't been as good as we've seen in the past. I mean, today it was 32 carries for 92 yards. I know the Rams have a good defense, but 
yeah, we may not be chasing the upside in this running game that we thought we were um, every other season with the Packers. So I don't know. I, I, they're, they're both going to be startable, I think, for the foreseeable future. Uh, but maybe the ceiling's not there that we once had. And that that's less of a concern for Dylan because you got him all out later. More of a concern if you drafted Jones in the first round. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to expect huge boom weeks right now for anyone other than Adams, I would say. So, um, I, I I don't know. We'll see if they get Bakhtiari back and some offensive line help. But until that happens, uh, this running game is a little bit stuck in the mud. Maybe it's just their opponents. But um, I don't know. Do you think the ceiling's just a little lower maybe than we thought preseason? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, it, it felt like the Rams defense was playing really well today. As you said, Rodgers put up in a, a really excellent day. And I think part of it was just that he had to. Like there weren't the open throws he usually has. And he had to kind of weave everything into a tight little window. And while he could kind of overcome a really good defense performance, the running backs had a harder time doing it. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of ceiling lost here, but I don't think the schedule looks too terrible coming up. So I do want to give them a chance. They've got the Bears, and that's me as a Bears fan saying that. Yeah. Uh, they got Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota, Detroit. That's that's the rest of their season. So it, it's not terrible. I think it's possible they can run. Um, it's just going to be a matter of how many run, how many carries they let uh, Jones take each week. All right. Anything else on this one, or you want to move on? No, I think I'm good on this one. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, that's pretty much all we're going to come uh, cover this week. I did want to mention that Chargers Broncos game uh, still split backfield in Denver. Javante Williams looked good, but so did Melvin Gordon. So uh, they're both startable, but neither of them are running away with this job for sure. And then that Chargers passing game, um, you know, today Herbert was 28 of 44, 303 yards, two picks, two sacks, or two touchdowns, two picks, three sacks. Um, I, I just noticed with this Chargers passing game that it's turned into a bunch of short stuff. It's kind of what I saw developing with the Bengals the other week where it's all these contested short throws that get tipped up and picked, and uh, that's never a good way to run your offense. So they need to get the ball downfield more, and uh, if, they, if they can't get Mike Williams downfield, he might be their only option. So um, that's a little bit of a disappointing offense. I don't know how much you saw about the Chargers, but uh, not much going in the running game. They're not getting the deep ball, and, and that's kind of how you get these ugly performances against defenses like the Broncos. Yeah, I I didn't see much of this one. I felt the need, though, as a, a final thought for me to mention that the Bengals right now would be the five seed in the playoffs for the AFC. Yeah. And the Steelers are last in the division. And as a Bengals fan, I'm sure you've suffered through many, uh, many Pittsburgh winning the division years and thought like, man, I just hate that team. Uh-huh. And it felt it felt necessary to, you know, bring that back up for you and say, hey, <laughs> seven and four. They're five, five and one. They tied with the Lions. It's It's a good year for you guys. Yeah, it's wild. The The Bengals have dominated uh, the Steelers twice, the Ravens, and then they got blown out by the Browns. So uh, we're watching the Browns and Ravens kind of slug it out on Sunday night football. So it's a tough division and uh, Bengals are looking good. Usually if you can win your division, you're in good shape. So uh, it's exciting. Defense is playing hard. Uh, running game looks good. So, hey, that's how you win the AFC North by the NFC North, too. Right. That's what the, the announcers always say. You got to play good defense. You got to run. The <laughs> yeah, the black and blue division, they always call it. Yeah. All right. Well, we made it through week 12. Um, hopefully, if you got any uh, Monday night sweats coming up, uh, you you win those and go on towards the playoffs and fantasy. But um, like I said, uh, join us for the Waiver Wire podcast. I'll be helping out this week as the host and then sit start coming out Wednesday night. So, um, yep. Yeah, thanks for joining me, Mike. Everyone, thanks for listening. And have a good rest of your week. <laughs>